Konnichiwa! Hey guys, welcome to another episode of the Nihongo Master Podcast. I'm your host Azra, bringing you Japanese cultural and language content every week. Season 12's topic is Japanese fashion, which I think is a very interesting and extensive topic. In the two months of this topic, we looked at various aspects of Japanese fashion, the old and new of Japanese fashion, the iconic items like the sukajan, and the influence Japanese fashion has on the rest of the world. Now that we've come to the end of the season, I have with me a very special guest to wrap up season 12's theme. All the way from Japan, it's Anna of Japan Web Magazine and Japan Wireless. Welcome to the show. Uh, hello, thanks for having me. <laughs> you tell us a bit about yourself and your background. I moved to Japan three times. This is my third time. I moved to like a student, like a Japanese student. And this last time, like a working holiday visa first. And then work visa from the last two years. I started with working holiday in three years ago and then I changed to work visa like two years ago. Ah, okay, okay. So you are based in Tokyo? Yes. What made you move to Tokyo? Oh, well, at the first I only moved to Tokyo because it was the last chance that I have to apply for the working holiday visa Mm-mm-mm. because I was, it's until you are 13 and I was already 13. Ah. I say like, okay, I went to move and travel around the country one last time. But then I found a really nice job, like a media making articles, and I like it. And, you know, all this pandemic situation also, my hometown was not in a good position. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I prefer to stay here for a while. Mm-hmm. Where are you from? Where's your hometown? Spain, Barcelona. Nice. So you got a job with Japan Web Magazine in your first year? Yes, my first month. Wow, that's nice. Okay, so give us a bit of um, the background of Japan Web Magazine. Japan Web Magazine started with Japan Wireless. It's a rental Wi-Fi company. And a lot of customers always was asking the same kind of questions. Like, can you recommend me places to visit in Tokyo? Then they decided to start a blog to have a kind of summary about the best things to do. Mm-hmm. And then we can help the customers also to enjoy it. Not only with the Wi-Fi, but also about what places they should visit or go to eat or things like that. So you're mainly Japan Wireless and then Japan Web Magazine is kind of like a secondary. The domain is Japan Wireless and Japan Web Magazine, it's, uh, it's inside of Japan Wireless. Mm, okay. But it's a, it's a start like a secondary, but then it start, we start growing and growing. And now, you know, we have two different teams. Mm. It's also about support Japan Wireless customers. Nice. How... Were there any challenges that you faced in the past couple of years um, in the company? Well, so of course, you know, our main business was about tourists in Japan. And in the past two years, uh, Japan has been close to the world. So that was a little bit hard. Our reviews, of course, was really going down because people was not able to come to Japan. And then we start to make different content for people to enjoy Japan, even if they cannot come here, like studying Japanese or you know, doing cooking class or that kind of things. Is it picking up now? Yeah, I mean, it's, you know, these past months, Japan is starting to talk about maybe open the borders. So people is also, you know, oh, so maybe we can go in the next month and things are going back to normal finally. Let's hope. Yeah, hopefully. (laughs) So who's your main audience? Who is uh, Japan Web Magazine's main audience? Like in terms of country or whatever? In terms of country, it's mainly uh, United States. 
mm-hmm. especially the part of California, but also Europe and some other Asian countries. But it's in English, so yeah, it's more like America, Europe. We are happy that we can help again customers that they are coming to Japan after two years. <laughs> yeah, it's been a while, isn't it? <laughs> so our season 12 theme is Japanese fashion. Um, what are your thoughts and experiences you'd like to share with us? Uh, okay, so I have to confess that when I started to like Japan, when I was like, not 12, but 13 or 14 maybe, I started like really into the visual K fashion. I have a lot of friends that they like this Lolita style, and I was a really big fan of Takeshita Street and all the, the first time that I came to Japan, I spent a lot of money on Takeshita Street. Uh, a lot. <laughs> and then I moved to more like a Gyaru style because I, I read the manga, it was girls. And then I started to be attached on Gyaru. And then, you know, when I was more getting old, I, you know, also this kind of uh, Lolita, Bisol K, Gyaru, they are also not that popular nowadays in Japan. So I think that, the, you know, the moment changed and now I'm more like a normal standard fashion. <laughs> So you were like into the the original Japanese street fashion then? Yeah, yeah, yeah. My, my hair was like a purple and red and I have a lot of piercings and I was going to the Visual K oh. live, like a really performance. Nice. So, so you were in Japan when you were a teenager before then? I was when I, the, my first thing was when I was 18. Okay, nice. It was probably one of the peak of Japanese street fashion, like the subcultures and all that, right? Yeah, but then I came back almost 10 years later, probably. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, not 10 years, but when I was 24. And I was like really sad to see that when you go to Takeshita Street, there's not like people in the visual K anymore, you know, because the first time when you was in Sunday, there was a lot of people doing cosplay about visual bands like Gatset, Dylan Gray. But when I come back, I was expecting that. But, you know, the trend was dead, kind of. Yeah. So you basically saw the whole change from the original streetwear culture to now that it's, like, not as... Like, now I think there's, like, a part of Harajuku that you get a lot of people taking pictures and stuff. But I feel like that's the only place that you see subcultures nowadays, right? I mean, there's some few stores that they they still have Lolita, and maybe you can see some of the, you know, the stuff in the store. Feeling now is that they are more for gainers having this kind of clothes style than Japanese. It's like for gainers, they really love that style, and they get stuck in that maybe Japanese era. Mm. And when you go to Harajuku, you see more for gainers in a Lolita clothes than Japanese in a Lolita clothes. Yeah. What do you think is the current Japanese street fashion now? Now I think that they are more like the normal urban fashion. I mean, they like really like uh, brands like Supreme or, you know, brands that they are like really in all the countries. I think that also they have a really tendency now to black and white. Very different from like the subcultures where it was just neon and colorful, right? How has the shopping scene changed as well, do you think? So that's, I told you, the first time that I went into Takeshita, almost all of the stores was about these visual stores. Uh, they changed to Korean. Mm-hmm. Probably now K-pop is also, you know, become a thing in Japan, in Takeshita Street. And more like, let's say, not formal, but everything is more like a, you know, Uniqlo. Yeah. 
in Japanese they say otona, that it's more mm. like adult. Yeah, I think so as well. What do you think about like traditional Japanese clothing? Like, do you see it out on the streets as much nowadays? I mean, they of you can see not all the days, but you can still see women. Usually, they are more like old women wearing kimono for a special occasions. But you know, wearing a kimono it's really difficult. It's not easy. It's more complicated than people can imagine and put all the dress. But especially in summer, now in summer with all the maturity and hanabi taikai, I mean the festivals and fireworks, more than kimono, you can see people wearing a lot of jukata. Mm-hmm. Kind of summer kimono, more easy to wear, but it's more like, you know, for a special situation. Oh, and in March, of course, in, in March in Japan is the month that people graduate from the university, from the college. And from the graduation ceremony, they are wearing the kimono as well. But it's that it's for special occasions mm-hmm. or more like all women, they still have kimonos at home. Yeah, I think I noticed that as well. Like in our first episode of the season, we talked about like wafuku and yofuku and how nowadays it's more to its, you know, Western style clothing than it is like traditional clothing, right? I mean, it's still not that, but it's that it's for maturity they want a yukata of course but if not they then more like western style clothes do you have any tips and advice for those who want to get into or know more about japanese fashion not tips but uh, there are some magazines that are still about japanese fashion and there are a lot of well there are a lot of magazines in fact you can choose the one the style that it fits more with you or you feel more confident because there are a lot of styles and yeah, but usually it's go to Takeshita, Shibuya. They are the most popular places to buy clothes. And you can, you know, see how the people is wearing or what people is wearing and then try to do the same for what they do. I mean, if they like Western clothes, the style is different. For example, Japanese woman doesn't like to show too much the skin here, like shoulders or things like that. It's the Western style, but in a Japanese way you know sometimes there are some dresses that in europe we put the dress like only like that but they have a t-shirt and then the dress mm-hmm. so it's a little bit different you know but yeah. it's, it's also nice so they're more modest they they like to cover up even in summer right yeah i mean they like to cover because for modest but also because in japan they really like uh, like more like have the white skin more than tan Mm-mm. So they always cover them in summer. They have these gloves that they are from here. You know, they are really long gloves. It's like, come on, it's summer. It's hot. Japanese summer is very hot, like very humid. So it's it's strange to see people like fully covered in in that weather, I think. It's especially a woman for that because they don't want to get like more like a brown Mm -hmm. tone of skin. They like really white. Like super pale. Yes. For me, it's different because, you know, in Spain, we have a lot of sun. Mm-hmm. So people usually prefer more like, more like brown, you know. So it was a kind of shock when I came here. Oh, yeah. How about now? Do you, do you wear the gloves and the hats? <laughs> no, it's still not. It's like, no, I'm sorry, but <laughs> it's too hot. I'm going to just go on my own. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, me too. So right now, Nihongo Master is in the midst of our 12 Japan campaign, and we're wrapping up the Kansai region. From your knowledge and experience, could you tell us anything fun and wacky about Kansai? 
I mean, Kansai, especially Osaka, is, you know, the most famous city about Kansai. Mm -hmm. And they are considered the most, like, funny people in Japan. Yeah. Usually the comedians in the TV, they are always from Kansai. Mm -hmm. Osaka is called the kitchen of Japan because they have a really good food, like okonomiyaki, takoyaki, and this kind of food. Yes, I went to Kansai, in fact, two years ago. You can just go to Totonbori, and there's a lot of things to do there, you know, and it's pretty fun, and people, it's more open. And of course, if you want something like super fun in Kansai, now the trend is go to Universal Studios Japan, because they have the Harry Potter area, but also the Mario area. And I haven't been there yet in the, in the Mario one, but my friends say that it's, like, really amazing. <laughs> I went to the Mario World before I left Japan. It was really good. It really felt like you're in the world, you know? I think that they're going to make, I think, a Pokemon area song too. Wow, that's going to be pretty popular. <laughs> Kansai, is, at least Osaka, is also known for its like wacky, unique fashion culture as well. What do you think? Uh, I didn't have, I mean, I, in Tokyo, I didn't have been in Kansai that much. Mm -hmm. But I think that, yes, they are popular in Japan for that too. If you come to Japan, you need to go to Osaka because it has a lot of good things to, you know, try, see, eat, especially eat. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Do you think the culture is very different in like Osaka and Tokyo? Some things are the same, uh, but they are, the personality is kind of different. They are more open in Osaka. For example, in Osaka, they like to be tan. You know, mm -hmm. I told you that they prefer white. That's in Tokyo, but in Osaka, there are a lot of people more tan. They don't care. They, there's something funny when you live in Japan. And it's when you get the skeletons, you need to put in the right side. But when you are in Osaka, it's in the left side. So it's the opposite. Mm -hmm. But it's all in Kansai. So they do everything in the opposite, even that, you know, it's like, <laughs> why are you doing the opposite of the rest of the world, you know, or oh, the rest of Japan, and, but that's pretty funny, it's like, okay, you do your own in all the meanings, but that's funny, you know, because it's like, a, in fact, most part of my friends that live in Osaka, mm -hmm. if they need to move to Tokyo for a job, they don't like it at all, they're like, no, 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 I want to stay in Osaka, Osaka is the best place to live. Uh, I, I don't know because I haven't been in Osaka for a living mm. but yes they are like really unique in a good way Would you move to Osaka if you if you were given the opportunity? Maybe I will give the try but I love Tokyo too much but mm. you know I never try Osaka so I don't know maybe I move and I say like oh no this is way better Yeah, but I'm a really Tokyo, Tokyo girl from now <laughs> so By the way, if you haven't checked out our official website yet, why not give it a browse? At Nihongo Master, we offer efficient Japanese lessons that are quick, easy, and fun for Japanese language learners of all levels, from beginners to advanced. Our smart tools will assist you in areas where you need a little bit of a push and congratulate you on the ones you waste. With a community of over 50,000 Japanese students, you're not alone on your learning journey. Make new friends and improve together with our point system collecting points as you go along. Ask away any questions you have on our group discussion pages. There's sure to be others as well as our Japanese instructors that are quick to answer. You can also take Nihongo Master with you on the go and learn Japanese as you trot the globe. Practical, right? Okay, so let's change things up a bit. 
Uh, in our last interview, we had this expectation versus reality segment and the listeners love it. Uh, so I'm thinking it will be fun to do it again for our episode. Um, so it will be an expectation versus reality of Japanese fashion, uh, which can be quite insightful for some of our listeners. Well, for example, I told you, but one of the things that uh, it was an expectation, but reality lately, because I was working like a tour guide for a while, and it's people go to Takeshita expecting to have the old style there. Now the style is completely different. Mm-hmm. So in some point, there are people that they are like a little bit disappointed, you know, because the pictures in the like guys usually it's from 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. And people are expecting that, but the, the reality is a little bit different now. Really. The first time I came to Japan was when I was like 18, 19. So that was when the Japanese street fashion was already kind of dead. When I came, I still felt like it was pretty cool just because I saw the shops, all the like subculture shops. But now I think even the shops are not there anymore. Not as, not as many, I don't think, right? Yeah, as I told you, most of the shops just change to food or Insta food, like uh, this kind of food that is good for Instagram pictures, or K-pop makeup or Korean makeup. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I feel like the Takeshita is not Takeshita anymore. Mm-hmm. They only have maybe three or four clothes stores left. All the others are like completely different. And as I told you, in the there's a bridge in Takeshi, well in Harajuku that connects with the Yoyogi Koen. Mm-hmm. And there used to be a lot of cosplayers there. Mm. But they are not cosplayers anymore. Oh, really? The entrance of Yoyogi Park, there used to be the, was it the Yoyogi Greasers or something like that? It was like, they would go there and like dance, play music out loud. That was like ages ago. Now they don't have it anymore, right? Well, they have this kind of Grease guys. They got some kind of all guys performance Grease, grease songs. But they, they used to be also cosplayers about visual cape bands like Gasset mm. or Dylan Grey, but they are not there anymore. Mm-hmm. And also, if you go to Shibuya, there's not Gyaru anymore. The stores are completely yeah. a little bit disappointed. It's a bit sad, isn't it? All the like original subcultures are now like dying away. Okay, so in our second episode, we talked about the most iconic Japanese traditional clothing, which is the kimono. Actually, in our first episode as well, and we briefly looked at you know, wafuku to mean Japanese clothing, right? So what do you think about traditional Japanese clothing? Do you think, you know, we talked a bit about how we see some of them on the streets, but is it normal to wear it, like, every day? Will it be weird, do you think? No, every day, no. They only use, even Japanese, it's only more like a, for a special situation or when they go to a trip to Kyoto or more like traditional places. Mm-hmm. they can rent a kimono but it is also because I told you the jukata is kind of easy you can do by yourself but kimono it's really it takes a long time to, to prepare everything and it's not easy and also kimonos are usually very very expensive mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so people is only using kimono in really special Japanese girls still like kimono we don't have this kind of traditional clothes in Spain or maybe not in the States, you know. So they are still keeping the tradition, but only for really special occasions. Do you think it will be okay if someone were to wear, say, the yukata every day? I mean, if you want to wear the yukata, of course, it's not a problem. But they are not wearing every day. Mm-hmm. They are more like for festivals 
Also because usually when you wear the Yucatan, you have these special shoes. And I can tell you that they are really, really painful. Okay. I tried once. No. <laughs> it's painful. Yeah. It's not the most comfy shoes, are they? <laughs> yeah, but if, you know, if someone really loves Yucata and want to wear Yucata all the days, one good thing about Japan is that people don't really pay attention to you and you can wear whatever you want that they are not going to tell you anything. Mm-hmm. So you can feel free to wear whatever you want. Um, and last but not least, the influence and the reach of Japanese fashion outside of Japan, both traditional and modern. So in our previous episode, season 12, episode 12, we looked at like Japanism in fashion. The, the term Japanism is mainly art and design, but I do also think that there is influence, like Japanese influence in fashion. What do you think? Uh, I mean, of course, there are some, even in, in Spain or in the United States, there are some of these kimono-style clothes, even in normal stores, you know. Yeah. So I think that that's a big influence from Japan and people like it. And also myself, or maybe you, you said to when we were more teenager, we was really into Peaceful K or, you know, Gyaru. There's still a lot of people also that like Lolita, for example. America or European countries, they also influence for Japanese. Also, they are Uniqlo in a lot of countries, for example, not only in Japan. Uniqlo is also having stores in Europe, in the United States, probably in Canada. So, yeah. yes, I think that it's two sides. They influence us and we influence them. So, thank you so much for your time, Anna. It was so much fun chatting with you. <laughs> No, I would say thank you for having me. Before we wrap up this session, I believe you and your company have tried out our online learning system. What did you think of it and how do you think our program is different than the others? I mean, did we make a more article about that? But yes, personally, I tried for several months and I really like that I can do in my free times. I mean, I don't need to be like one hour. If I have 10 minutes, I can do 10 minutes. If I have one hour, I can do one hour. Also, they have this manga style lessons too. That was also really funny in a different way. They have podcasts, that not only about this, but they also have like a podcast about learning Japanese. The, the Instagram, uh, you have these flashcards that they are really useful and really nice too, even if they are not for people attending the course. And you can do from home, you can do from your mobile phone, or, you know, there are a lot of ways to do it. People usually is like, uh, I cannot study Japanese because I don't have time. That's normal than most excuse. But I feel that with the Hongo Master, you cannot have this excuse because there are a lot of ways to study. You have a lot, you guys have a lot of ways, not only the, the manga, but also the audio. So it's like a, you can do in any situation, in the train. It's like a, you will always have 10 minutes to at least study 10 minutes a day. And that's a good part. Perfect. Thank you. And before I forget, where can people find you? What are your social media plugs? Oh, yes, our company social media is Japan Wireless Tokyo. And it's in Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. Perfect. Not TikTok yet. We are working on that. <laughs> Coming soon. <laughs> and that wraps up our fun and insightful interview episode with Anna from Japan Web Magazine and Japan Wireless. If you enjoyed this interview episode, let us know on our social media platforms. You can find us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Also on our platforms, you can find the Tour of Japan campaign, 
where we drop fun and interesting info about the region we're covering for the month. And if you're keen on picking up some more Japanese for yourself, pop onto our official website, nihongomaster.com, to learn more about our interactive online learning system. At Nihongo Master, we offer efficient Japanese lessons that are quick, easy, and fun for Japanese language learners of all levels, from beginners to advanced. Our smart tools will assist you in areas where you need a bit of a push and congratulate you on the ones you waste. Get the subscription today and get a head start on your Nihongo journey with Nihongo Master. Key in our podcast-exclusive promo code, FASHION, F-A-S-H-I-O-N, for a 50% off your subscription forever. That means you're saving half the amount every month. So hurry, what are you waiting for? If you love the podcast, you'd love our online learning system. And thank you so much for listening in. Join me next time, we'll be looking at the interesting part of the Japanese culture and language. Mata ne! Mata ne!